Hi, this is ESPN's Dave Lamont, and you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. Welcome into the Sports Objective Podcast, coming to you, talking some college football on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, I'd like to first welcome in my co-host, Jay Sonhalter. Jay, how are you? I'm good, Bubba. Great to be here, and we got some great guests today. Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to um, talking about one of the biggest announcements in the college football world in the last few days, and that is, of course, as you saw there in the open, Deion Sanders being named the new head football coach at Jackson State down in Mississippi. Uh, and to talk about that today in the top corner of the screen there, you see from the Clarion Ledger in Jackson, uh, Rashad Milligan. Rashad, welcome in. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. We're doing well. Appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on to talk about the big announcement uh, that took place earlier this week. And I, I know you were there on campus when Dion arrives uh, in style, as only Dion can. And so uh, just just talk about uh, everything that just kind of the timeline of things and how quickly this transpired. Right, right. So we probably knew about it for, you know, just about over a week. And then it was kind of like, you know, but we couldn't get it confirmed. And then once it leaked, it was like, oh, uh oh, here we go. So then, you know, they tried to do the damage control thing of, you know, oh, he's not the coach. He's not nothing's official. And he's not even a candidate. And it was just a, it, it was a little, you know, kind of um, a, a beautiful disaster, if you would, uh, the, the last few days. And then over the weekend, Dion kind of confirmed it himself by posting a picture on his Instagram story or his Instagram with the Jackson State president and the Jackson State athletic director, uh, Thomas Hudson, the president, and um, Ashley Robinson, the athletic director. That kind of confirmed some things. And then it was picking up a little steam. And, you know, finally, Sunday night came and uh, he finally got to announce it on his new Barstool podcast. So, how, uh, Rashad, how did it, how did he pick Jackson State and how the administration kind of pinpoint him to be the guy to lead the program? Oh, okay. I'm going in and out. Am I good? Am I good? I got yeah. you now. I, yeah. I can hear you fine. Okay, okay. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to keep you guys here. All right. So I think Ashley Robinson, the AD for Jackson State, he was really trying to, uh, you know, go for a home run ball. Think of something outside of the box. Jackson State is a very um, historically rich program. Who over the last few years, I would say probably the greater part of the past twenty years haven't really been that all that much to brag about. So he was really looking for something that was kind of a home run ball, something that fans could get excited about, something that recruits can get excited about and get Jackson State really back um, to that upper echelon that they were once at 
a few decades ago. It's the home of Walter Payton, the most uh, Hall of Famers in the state of Mississippi. You think of Southern Miss, they have Ray Guy and Brett Favre. They still don't have more Hall of Famers than Jackson State. So, um, you know, I, I think that that's really how Jackson State keyed in on it. You think about Deion Sanders. Deion has said time and time over again, he didn't need the Jackson State job. He's been off. He really wanted to go somewhere, I think, where um, he could have as much control as possible. And I think Jackson State probably allowed him for that opportunity. And so it was kind of a match made in heaven. Absolutely. And um, that's something I know has been in the media a lot over the last um, couple of years. And for sure, if not longer, just as far as Dion and his coaching exploits. Um, now he's, of course, the offensive coordinator or has been the offensive coordinator. I think he's going to, according to what I've heard, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, he's going to continue on and finish the season out with his son down in down at uh, Trinity Valley or Trinity Baptist. Excuse me. Correct. Yeah. Trinity Christian. He, he's going to finish out the season over there at uh, Cedar Hill in Cedar Hill, Texas. Okay, yeah. I, on opening weekend, I had the opportunity to see those guys when they were playing, I think it was Knoxville Catholic, and, uh, and they won that ball game uh, going away in the second half. And I know his son's actually headed down to uh, FAU to play for Willie Taggart. Right, right. Uh, Shador, a great athlete as well. I watched their show. Um, they're showing overtime and stuff. Great athlete, uh, quarterback. He can run. He's powerful. He's strong. He's tall. He's taller than his dad. He's probably like 6'2", 6'3", just from the eye test, and he's pretty big too. So I think he's going to be a heck of an athlete uh, down there at FAU if he doesn't flip to Jackson State. But, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. What's the chance of that happening? I have no clue. <laughs> Jay, I wish I could answer it for yeah. you. I, I asked Dion myself a couple times. Dion wasn't budging. Um, it's, it's really very tough to read. I do know, I can give you this. Um, I think Shador's best friend who committed with him from Trinity Christian to FAU, he didn't budge. He didn't nudge at all. He's staying at FAU. Coach Sanders, um, he posted a video on Twitter, you know, saying, Hey man, you got me, you know, those guys are, I tried to bring them on with me. You got some loyal bunches. So, uh, I, if, if that's a sign of anything, he's going to stay at FAU, but I don't, it's very hard for me to see the sun not following Dion. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, we're hearing a lot about this coaching staff, the assistants. Break that down for us and what's real, what's still rumor, because um, we've heard T.O., Warren Sapp, and other people, but he came out and, and denied that. So what are you hearing on assistants for his staff? Right, right. So with assistants, now keep in mind to be an assistant, you have to have a college degree. T.O., Warren Sapp don't have college degrees. So, wah, wah, wah. Unfortunately, those guys aren't real. <laughs> so they're they're studying right now then to get their degree. Yeah, oh, yeah. They're studying. They're doing uh, University of Phoenix. They, they got to get in there by the spring. But, um, you know, those guys don't have degrees. Um, you know, Brett Favre was another one who I thought of uh, who's really close with Dion and, and recommended Dion for the coaching position at Southern Miss. But um, he Dion said that, uh, Brett Favre wasn't on the staff. So 84 years of experience of NFL playing and coaching experience will be on the staff. What type of names will they be? We don't know. Will it be as fun as T.O. Warren Sapp? Probably not. But um, I think one of those names that, that there was rumored on that list is going to be true. And I also think, you know, the guys who are currently on the, uh, the coaching staff from the previous regime, the other two uh, interim coaches – 
Otis Ridley and um, T.C. Taylor. I think those guys are still going to be on the staff, too. But that's just kind of speculation. We won't know until a couple weeks ahead. But Otis Ridley is the guy who's been offering all these big time recruits because Dion can't start until December 1st. Kind of working in reverse, Rashad, just take us back to Monday and give us a glimpse behind the scenes of, of what it was like being there uh, when, when he arrived. And uh, and then, if you would, give us the Cliff Notes version. I've been so busy, I've not had the opportunity to watch his press conference yet. Uh, so give us that Cliff Notes. Um, talk about some of the things he highlighted as far as why he wants to do this and um, and then some of the things that he hopes to instill in the Jackson State program. Right, right. So Monday was crazy, man. Monday was crazy. We get in there, you know, everybody's masked up, temperatures checked at the door. You, you guys know, like, the new normal and stuff. So we all get in there, and um, all the seats are socially distanced. There's about 200 people in there, and we're waiting, you know, old school music's playing. It reminded me a lot of church, because, like, the people were, everybody was dressed up, and they were playing, like, some old school music before he came in. Then they were like, hey, everybody, please get to your seats. And then you, you hear, wee, outside and i'm like oh that must be dion so then first come in the the uh the little motorcycle the officer motorcycles they come in and i'm like okay wow this is a lot then a squad car comes in i'm like okay this is the most and then his cadillac uh escalate comes in and i'm like only dion so that entrance was something to, to you know to remember forever and uh with the fans waving the little you know blue and white stripes and everything like that it was just a beautiful scene to open up his actual speech, uh, it, the theme of it was, I believe. I believe, I believe, I believe, do you believe? And then, you know, there's a lot of call and response. So it goes back to that church thing of, I believe, do you believe? And they're like, we believe. And, you know, he had the Jackson State jacket on and uh, had the logo on the outside. And then he opened it on the inside and said, hey, baby, I'm Jackson State on the inside too. I got this tailor made a couple of weeks ago. So uh, this has been in the works uh, for a minute, if you said that. Uh, that slipped up. That was just a side note. But from what he said in his uh, introductory press conference on Tuesday, they want to play hard. They want to play fast. They want to play physical. They want to be smart. Um, he, he was like saying they're going to celebrate. They're going to have fun. But he wants to make sure that they stay disciplined, you know, little to no turnovers. And, you know, that, that's really just Prime's way of doing things, if you want to call them that. Yeah, I saw a lot of the talk on social media um, calling him, uh, I don't know, Pastor Sanders, Rev, Rev Sanders and stuff. So I knew it had to be something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's um he's real close friends with Bishop T.D. Jakes in Dallas, Texas. And, uh, you know, back, I think, like in the 90s and stuff, he did a lot of stuff in the pulpit giving his testimony of, you know, I was lost, now I'm found. So, you know, that, that didn't surprise me doing research on him. But, yeah, it, it was definitely that type of feeling. And. Uh, I think, you know, just to kind of go along with why and what he wants to do, I think he kept emphasizing my people. I'm going to do this for my people. If you look at Deion Sanders' career and the patterns in his career, going back to his playing days with the Yankees, uh, I remember with the Yankees, I think he had a moment, mistake me if I'm wrong, where I think he told the owners something along the lines of the days of slavery are over. <laughs> so... Dion, he's always kind of been very passionate about, you know, the black community. And I think, you know, this is definitely a, a calculated move of his to, to choose an HBCU for his first college coaching job. So I think he's really trying to level the playing field for HBCUs and, and uh, PWIs in college football. 
<clears throat> now tell us about what kind of roster uh, Deion Sanders and this staff are inheriting. Right, right. So the current roster that they're inheriting, you know, Jackson State hasn't won in a long time. They haven't had a winning season since 2013. Um, and, you know, on, on the offensive end, they have Jalen Jones at quarterback. It'll be very interesting to see what he does with him, depending on who they recruit. But, you know, Jalen Jones is a former four-star recruit from uh, Florida. He transferred over to Jackson State. Um, he's a sophomore. And then you also have on the defensive end, the reigning swag defensive player of the year, Keontae Hampton. I believe he's going to be a junior next season. And uh, those are the two main guys that you have. Everybody else is pretty much plug and play. The type of guys that he's recruiting and offering and taking the uh, the offer seriously, the four or five stars, the top JUCO guys, those guys are kind of like on another level than a lot of the uh, the current roster on JSU. So um, that that's what he's working with. Um, he has a lot of work to do, a lot of turnover, but I think a realistic and uh, a realistic goal and a win for him in that first season would be a winning season. Now you talk about how this is something that had been in the works for quite some time. Uh, what have you heard as far as and granted, I mean, he was only hired not even four days ago. So just talk about uh, the potential economic impact this could have and, um, you know, having just general uh, students uh, wanting to come to Jackson State, uh, even if they're not football players. Yeah, Dion said he wants to increase their enrollment. Um, he wants to increase their enrollment and he really wants to just put a spotlight on Jackson State. I know in something that was kind of an, an odd move, a little controversial move, uh, some people would say, but you know, he had Barstool pretty much give like a little branch to Jackson State. And it was kind of like a just a weird dynamic, but what he said he wants to do with his uh, you know, uh, just platform at Barstool and everything like that is really just shine a light on on that HBCU on their marching band and he wants to increase enrollment and then also you know uh, they already led uh, Jackson State despite their you know losing records they already led the FCS in attendance the past couple of years they had over 30,000 on average each week he wants to fill it up to the stadium capacity of 60,000 each week so yeah yeah how are Jay, the facilities? How are the facilities compared to the rest of the teams in the conference? Yeah, so compared to the rest of the spike teams, I'm not very familiar with the rest of the spike teams, like uh, specific facilities. But as far as just you know, um, I guess compared to Ole Miss or something, it's obviously kind of like you know a little step down. But it's nice. They they have some nice facilities every everywhere you go, every now and again. But I think Dion, you know, going back to that economic impact, he's going to take it to the next level. I think they're already working on renovating that basketball arena they have, as well as renovating um, the football stadium. So yeah. Dion is already, yeah, yeah, they, they already uh, started that at the beginning of 2020. I, you just reminded me about that. Thank you. I know okay. that is going to give me for that. So, yeah, they, they've been working on that since the beginning of 2020. And uh, I think Dion is definitely going to bring in more money for them to play with. Yeah. What's what's the biggest thing you've heard from the players um, that they've said as far as excitement uh, for playing for Dion? So Dion, that the main thing, another thing that he kept harping on the past couple of days has been, if you don't want to play in the NFL, if you don't see yourself playing on Sundays, don't come to my program. <laughs> so the kids who are already there, the kids who have football dreams, you know, so many kids uh, going into college who play college ball, no matter the level. They want to go professional, you know, that that's just been always a dream of theirs from a kid, majority of those kids, at least. 
So for him to say that, a lot of kids are thinking who are already there, they're like, hi, this dude can raise my level. I'm learning from one of the greatest players ever. He can raise my level. I'm extremely excited about that, and I'm ready to take that challenge. It's kind of like you're going into a random – you're going into Zaxby's for the first time, and you, you see the drive through and it's a fast food place, and you're like, oh, Zaxby's, no, no, no. You walk in, and you have the food, and the food is amazing, and the quality is – and you're like, wow, I didn't expect this from a place with the drive through And that's kind of like maybe some of the kids who are going to JSU who, you know, just kind of expect it you know, to, to go somewhere to get a good education, uh, to go for the HBCU experience and for the great campus life at Jackson State. But they weren't really too concerned about going professional uh, as football players there until, you know, Deion Sanders came in. Well, Rashad, we, we certainly appreciate your time this afternoon. It's been great hearing about this um, kind of a unprecedented hiring in some ways. Um, but it's going to be um, very interesting to keep an eye on, on what transpires in Jackson over the next few years and see how Dion and his staff can build that program. And we, we'd love to have you back on down the road. For sure. For sure. Sounds good. Hey, you guys take care of my, uh, my guy, uh, David Sheely over yeah. there in uh, Knoxville. And actually um, um, before we let you go, go ahead and plug your work. Um, Tell us some, or tell our listeners rather, where you can follow you on social media, and then also uh, re read your writing. Right, right. You can, um, you know, Clarion Ledger, of course, Hattiesburg American, a little bit of stuff over there. And yeah, man, just uh, just look me up, Rashad Milligan. The spelling's right there. Thanks so much again, Rashad, and uh, have an excellent rest of your week. And um, we'll talk to you soon. All right, you guys do the same. Thanks, Thanks. Rashad. Thank you. Thanks. Well, Jay, we're going from one Mississippi guest to another. Now, welcome back into the sports objective from Gene's Page, Mississippi State's 24-7 site, Steve Robertson. Steve, we appreciate you joining us. Yeah, happy to be with you guys. Hope things are well with you guys wherever you are today. Yeah, we're doing well. Uh, looking forward to talking some football with you as the SEC will be kicking things off this weekend. And uh, obviously the game that you're going to be honed in on is taking place down in Baton Rouge uh, with Mike Leach um, coaching his first game for state, um, taking on the defending national champion, LSU. So just um, with, before we start talking some football, um, you can't talk football in 2020 um, without talking about the coronavirus. So just tell us where things currently stand with Mississippi State in, in terms of uh, guys having tested positive, um, the contact tracing, et cetera. Well, the, the bottom line is we don't know. Mike Leach told us at the beginning of the camp that he would not be making that information available to the media. And that, uh, you know, matter of fact, he told Tyler Harker from the Clarion Ledger, he goes, if I did have anybody, I wouldn't tell you. Uh, but he says they've been pretty fortunate. And so we'll have to take him at his word because – there's no way for us to hold him accountable for his answer. You know, he says, hey, we don't have a lot of these things to worry about. You know, we're, we're not able to go to practice. We're not able to observe. And uh, any contact we have with players is through Zoom. So I guess we'll find out Saturday. You know, they put a depth chart out. And, uh, you know, that, that stuff's always kind of for entertainment purposes only. But, uh, you know, he says that all hands are on deck for Saturday. And uh, we'll see if we can take him at his word after that. One of the things um, that's certainly been under the spotlight um, 
with the Mike Leach offense coming in is the quarterback situation. You had a grad transfer from Stanford, KJ Costello. And so bring us up to speed on how are things going with the quarterback battle? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Garrett Schrader was the, and you know, the kind of the incumbent starter, but he didn't necessarily fit exactly what Leach wanted in a quarterback position. So he goes out and brings in a grad transfer and KJ, as you mentioned, now Garrett Schrader is actually playing slot receiver. And true freshman Will Rogers is actually the backup to KJ. And so you got two 2020 signees now that are kind of leading that room. And, uh, you know, now Schrader's out there catching passes rather than throwing them. And so there's no doubt that KJ is going to be the guy. Uh, KJ told us earlier this week that he feels like that a, a switch has flipped and that they've had their best sessions of the of the camp this past week. And so, uh, I, I listen, if you're going to go down there and play OSU and hope to keep that game competitive, you need a guy like KJ Costello, a guy that's already kind of played power five football that understands kind of what to expect and the, the tenacity needed to kind of move the team forward. I'm eager to see how he handles it uh, because he's a guy that, you know, was a starter at Stanford and then uh, had to move on, uh, you know, when it came time for grad school. But, uh, you know, he's done well here. He's really meshed well with the team. It's one of the things the players tell us is that he, he never showed up with a sense of entitlement. He always wanted to come in and earn it. He's done that, and uh, I think he kind of owns the locker room right now. Steve, what's been the biggest difference from last year, just the vibe around the program, to uh, to this year with Coach Leach? I don't, how much time do I have? I mean, goodness. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, l- last year, I'll be honest with you, and I, and I like Joe Moorhead a lot. I think Joe is a great man. I think that uh, I think his time will come. But I think Joe was one of those guys who was more concerned about, you know, being popular rather than being in charge. And so with with Leach, it's been accountability from day one. Back when they had the, uh, you know, the offseason workouts, word got around to me through a source that a certain player had texted his position coach and said, hey, coach, I need to have a meeting with you. And he goes, oh, well, what are we meeting about? He goes, I need to talk to you about some of these workouts we're doing. And the coach texted him back and said, hey, there's no need for us to have a meeting. Either you're in or you're out. And uh, that is kind of what this program needed. You know, Dan Mullen was all about culture here at Mississippi State. I think some of that eroded in the last couple of years because I think some players were able to kind of befriend the coaching staff and the the lines between the coach-player relationship were kind of blurred. That's no longer the case. And the kids seem to have really responded well to being held accountable and coached. And, uh, you know, listen, you had some transfers early on before the coaches got here and kind of got settled. I, I think that probably doesn't happen if you had the full benefit of spring practice because now, you know, there's been a real buy-in from the players. And I, Listen, I don't know how much it shows this year, but I think the foundation's being laid for the Mike Leach year to be a very good one at Mississippi State. Steve, back in the summer, um, there was – a little bit of fallout over something that Coach Leach had, had tweeted. And actually, I, I know we spoke with you about that before when we had you on, so it may have actually been a little bit farther back. But uh, So just talk about how how those wounds have healed. I know a player or maybe more transferred and referenced that incident. Uh, so where, where do things stand with that? And uh, do the players seem to be fully behind Coach Leach? Oh, yeah. And, and let me address a couple of things you mentioned. Uh, there were two players that transferred. One brought, drew attention to it immediately, and uh, there was kind of doubt he was even going to be with the football program this year anyway. And so that was really kind of provided him, you know, with an opportunity to kind of get out, I guess, and save face. Uh, but, you know, since that time, you know, I, I think a lot of it's been helped because the coaching staff has been, <coughs> excuse me, 
been very supportive of the players is they have kind of used their voices. You know, Colin Hill was really involved with uh, bringing attention to changing the state flag. And, uh, you know, they, they've had uh, a couple of different, you know, events where players have kind of gathered uh, to call for, uh, you know, for a, a halt to uh, injustice within our country. And, and the coaching staff was involved with that. And I think that's kind of shown these players, their coaches understand them, their coaches support them, and they have their back. And uh, it's been incredible because recently, I guess it was right in the beginning of camp, they had a scheduled off day on Friday. They were set to practice on Thursday, but some of the schools in the Southeastern Conference were trying to have a demonstration. And, and the, the, the senior leadership council went to Leach and said, hey, coach, we really want to be a part of this. So what do we do? And uh, Leach was agreeable to move in practice from Thursday to Friday to let the guys participate uh, in the March. And uh, I think that's kind of shown them that they do have a voice and the coaching staff uh, is certainly, you know, communicating with them. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. Sorry about that. A little guitar solo for you. But uh, no, no problem. <laughs> but the bottom line is, is I think that there has now been a relationship built where um, the players realize that it's, you know, it is a player coach relationship, but it is a, it's a partnership where they're, they're an integral part of this. They're not just means to an end. How much, a, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jay. I'm sorry. Yeah, Steve, uh, how much focus, um, you know, in the off season, you know, I mean, it's there with Lane Kiffin, the rivalry with Ole Miss. How much focus is on that and how much do you think that is motivating Mississippi State this year, um, you know, to beat them later on this year, but also to kind of get a lot of the spotlight on them because right now it's split with both new coaching staffs. Well, I mean, there's a few things I'd like to say about that. First and foremost, Mike Leach is a very established winning coach. Uh, Lane Kiffin has worked at some great jobs and been fired from some great jobs. So this is not really an apples-to-apples situation. There are a lot of people that kind of speak of it as such because they're both such colorful characters and so entertaining. But Lane Kiffin doesn't have near the coaching resume that Mike Leach does. Uh, and so State's won three of the last four in the rivalry. And, and quite frankly, had they not broke Nick Fitzgerald's ankle back in uh, 17, State would have run four in a row. And so, yeah, there's always emphasis on that game. But Mississippi State in many ways has kind of graduated beyond that, where it's not just winning that game. You know, Mike Leach came here to win the West and go to Atlanta uh, and to make Mississippi State a perennial winner. And so, yeah. Mississippi State and the Ole Miss game is a big part of that, but it's not the most important part of that. And I think Leach, in many respects, gets that. But he also understands, and I was told the very first conversation he had with Dr. Mark Keenum, Mississippi State University president, is that he was expected to beat Ole Miss every year. Yeah, while we're on the topic of the Egg Bowl, before we come back to the present, um, yeah, last year's Egg Bowl was something to behold, uh, especially for Mississippi State fans, for sure. And I, I showed it to my uh, eight-year-old here recently, and he couldn't stop laughing. He kept telling me to rewind it. Yeah, it was pretty crazy the way that the whole thing ended. And, uh, you know, if Mississippi State plays good defense on that fourth and forever play, it doesn't set up that dramatic ending the way that it did. And there are a lot of State fans that say, you know what? I'm glad it ended the way that it did just because it's, it made it more memorable and probably a little more painful for the other side. But, uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I think both programs probably feel like that they're headed on a more positive trajectory after making the coaching change. And, uh, and I'll be honest with you, you know, Matt Luke, a lot of Ole Miss people are kind of negative about Matt Luke, but, you know, I think Matt Luke deserves 
a lot of respect for what he did because he's an old Miss alum. He's a true rebel. And there were a lot of people that didn't want that job after Hugh Freeze, considering they were facing sanctions. But Matt Luke stepped up and was a great member of the Ole Miss family and, and really did a good job under the circumstances. And uh, I have a lot of respect for Matt. I wish him the best in Georgia. But, uh, you know, I, I, the bottom line is, is that Mississippi State expects to beat Ole Miss. Uh, and after some of the things that happened in the offseason with uh, the Jari and Jones situation, the tampering allegations and all that, I, I'm confident that Mike Leach will have the Bulldogs ready to play on that day in Oxford. On Saturday, um, I know the the Bulldogs are venturing down to take on last year's national champion. Um, it's obviously a different team, different season. Uh, so how do you see this one um, stacking up? Um, how's, how's Mississippi State going to go down and, um, and shock the world um, on Saturday in Baton Rouge? Well, they're going to have to bring a lot of pressure. You know, Miles Brennan's a guy that's been around, but he hadn't played a lot, the quarterback at LSU. And so I think the whole game kind of hinges on that. Can Mississippi State make Miles Brennan uncomfortable? Can they force him into some mistakes, perhaps him forced to get the ball out a little bit early, kind of put the ball up for grabs? Uh, and so, yeah, that's where I think it has to happen. You know, if State sits around and lets him kind of pitch and catch and play Ben, but don't break, they're going to get broken. But Zach Arnett, defensive coordinators come in. He's a guy that believes in, you know, going and getting the quarterback. And so, <laughs> so my hope is, is that um, they can kind of use the inexperience of Miles Brennan against him. But listen, that guy's got a lot of horses around him. Terrace Marshall, uh, future NFL guy out there, receiver. And, uh, you know, John Emery is a guy who was a five-star running back that uh, has kind of bided his time waiting for his turn. So they've got some pieces around them. And I think Mississippi State is capable of kind of staying in this game. But in order for them to pull the upset, I think they're going to need some help from LSU. They're going to you know, need a short field every now and again and perhaps a turnover, maybe even a defensive touchdown. How, how do you, Steve, how do you feel about the defense this year and so much of Coach Leach's teams that get attention on offense? But, you know, we know, especially in the SEC, you got to play great defense. How do you think the defense is stacking up this year? Well, it's not a great defense. And a lot of it's because they're so inexperienced. I mean, you've got some guys that are veterans that are kind of transition in the starting roles for the first time and uh, there is not a single opening day starter from a year ago back in the secondary so you got martin emerson that started five games is your most experienced corner uh, marcus murphy is the guy that'll play the dog safety position uh that played in five games last year due to suspension uh, so you've got some really talented athletes out there it's just a matter of getting those guys to gel a little bit and develop some chemistry and that's going to be difficult to do in week one because you know, LSU, I think, is as talented as anybody, even though they're a little more inexperienced than they have been. I mean, they lost a ton uh, from a year ago. But, uh, yeah, the state front seven is probably pretty salty. Uh, not a lot of depth on defense, a lot of talent, but not much experience. And so they could take some lumps in the early going. According to my research, um, some money's been going on the Bulldogs. Um, you, and the line opened at 18 and a half, and now it's down to 16 and a half. Uh, so um, just – just talk about um, this one in terms of uh, you talk about some of the skill guys from Mississippi State. Um, just how how is um, how have the scrimmages this fall? The interest squad's gone as far as the execution of this this uh, air raid offense. Well, we haven't been able to watch that. You know, we've been able to hear we've seen some some footage of it, but uh, you know, Leach has been very positive about the scrimmages, and I can't say I expected that. And he. He admitted after the first scrimmage that he was very happy with the retention and the execution and felt like they were a little bit ahead of where he expected them to be. After the second scrimmage, he kind of reiterated that. And he goes, you know, we're not ready to play yet, but we're well on our way. 
Uh, and so, yeah, I, th- I think as the season goes on, they're going to get better. I think, you know, this is going to be a tough week for them. I think LSU probably wins, but State probably covers. And then you get Arkansas coming in next week, and I think that's a game that uh, State will likely win handily. Uh, you know, they've dominated that that rivalry, I think, with eight of the last nine uh, and two blowouts in a row. And so that'll be interesting because Arkansas was so dreadful on defense. And here's the thing about the Mike Leach offense that kind of K.J. Costello reminded me of earlier this week is, you know, usually you have the ground and pound game where you kind of, you know, you you grind people up up front with the running game. You know, Mike Leach's receivers run nine to 10 miles a day in practice. And so they're going to rotate eight receivers to keep people fresh. And so as KJ says, after playing against Washington State three times when he was at Stanford, you know, the first half, a lot of those little things, you know, the, the little check down out in the flats, it's kind of smothered up by linebacker. But after chasing wide receivers and running backs all day for three quarters, you get into the fourth quarter and all of a sudden you're three and four yards away. And all of a sudden that safety's not as quick to get out of his stance because it, it just grinds people down because they're not used to the level of conditioning required to defend a Mike Leach offense. And so that's something I think will be interesting too, because, you know, LSU's had a lot of players out with COVID and contract tracing. And so if their conditioning is not, up to snuff, I think it'll be really challenged this weekend by Mississippi State's offense. Hey, Steve, just a separate question on actually Dak Prescott. <laughs> when he was in school, did you have any idea that he would turn into the player he is right now with the Cowboys? Yeah, well, yes and no. I always felt like he would make the league. I can't say that I expected him to be the highest paid quarterback in the National Football League. I, I don't know if anybody could have projected that. But uh, they always talk about, I don't know what it is, but he has it. And that's the thing with Dak is even from the very beginning, he was such a leader. He'd come in for the camps and he was always jumping around the weight room and kind of leading by example and kind of getting everybody fired up. And he got the most out of his teammates. I mean, that was the thing. Mississippi State struggled to kind of recruit receivers around him. I think they only had four star, one four-star receiver the entire time he was here. But those guys elevated their game because of Dak. I think he made everybody around them better. I mean, State goes the number one in the country back in 2014. And it was almost like Dak kind of willed them there. He didn't accept the natural order of things and say, oh, it's, you know, it's just Mississippi State. He's like, well, why not Mississippi State? And so he got better and better. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's done a great job. And, uh, you know, I, I saw him, uh, I guess, a year or so ago. And uh, he's still the same dude. I mean, you know, he's, I'm, I'm sure the money has made life a little more comfortable for him. But it hadn't changed him as a person. He's still very down there. still very grateful. With everything uh, going on with the coronavirus, uh, how are things in Mississippi <laughs> from the standpoint? I know Southern Miss – I want to say had somewhere between like six to eight thousand for its games thus far. Um, what's the percentage, and um, how many does state look to have when they do have a home game? Yeah, the uh, the state health department set the guidelines at twenty five percent of normal attendance. Actually, they actually made that decision about four months ago, uh, so it's not news. It was newsworthy when people kind of realized it. I think we were actually the first to report it that everybody was saying what's the percentage going to be? Well, it already been established. And sure enough, it's 25%, which means Mississippi State will get just shy of 16,000 fans uh, in for the Arkansas game. And so they'll still be cowbells and they'll pipe in some crowd noise and do the best they can to have some home full advantage. But it's one of those things, too, it's just like the cowbell rule. Once the center's over the ball, that noise has got to stop. And it's just got to be the same 15, 16,000 fans uh, using their voices. And so it'll be a different experience. 
uh, you know, for some schools that, uh, you know, struggle for attendance, maybe it won't be as big a deal, but, you know, we pack in 60,000 people in there with a bunch of cowbells, sometimes two and two per person. Uh, it gets pretty loud. And so it'll be a different atmosphere for sure. Uh, something else um, I wanted to ask you is just um, taking a look at the schedule this year um, with the, the way S- the SEC, excuse me, is going about things. Um, you have a trip to a very good Kentucky team. You have a trip to Alabama. You have Auburn at home, and then you also go to number four, Georgia. So, so talk about the schedule move, moving forward. Yeah, it's it, yeah. We, we didn't get a lot of breaks with the schedule, but, you know, we pick up Vanderbilt and Georgia, you know, so I think that's probably the best that State could hope for. We used to joke around and said, but there's no way that anybody gets both Georgia and Florida and then Arkansas did. You know, I mean, it was just crazy, the, the turn of events. Uh it was so the Arkansas fans were saying, let's find a way to leave the SEC. But, uh, you know, I, I think state's got a manageable schedule. I think five and five is probably the most realistic expectation. But I think state could pull the, a bit of an upset when A&M comes to town in week four. Number one, Mississippi State has played really well against A&M. And uh, sometimes the national media seems to forget the series history. Uh, state has pretty much dominated A&M in Starkville since Johnny Manziel has moved on and I actually have a couple wins in college station to go with that. But more importantly, I think A&M plays Alabama and Florida in back-to-back weeks before they come to Starkville. So you could have a one and two very fragile psyche uh, Aggie team coming in here, uh, playing a Mike Leach offense that uh, is kind of unrelenting. So if they can pull that upset, I think it could potentially be a six and four year. Steve, I know you caught the tail end of our interview with Rashad Milligan of the Clarion Ledger, and we were talking about the potential economic impact of um, a hire like Deion Sanders uh, since Mike Leach has come on board at Mississippi State. Uh, well, what can you tell us as far as the potential uh, or uh, not even potential, the actual increase in funds that Coach Leach has brought? Well, I don't know there actually has been yet. You know, all the virus and the limitations and you know scholarship. Uh, and ticket distribution. I mean, it's one of those things that I don't know that we're going to kind of see the the impact for probably a couple of years, probably next year's a recovery year. And maybe in year two or three, perhaps we see, uh, you know, packed stadiums again. But uh, there's been a lot more interest in Mississippi State. And that's the thing, too, I think it's good for Mississippi football is that, you know, you've got three very outspoken and colorful characters kind of calling the cadence now with uh, Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin, and and Deion Sanders. And so there's been a lot of positive attention kind of focused on Mississippi due to college football. And so I think it will be very entertaining. I think it'll be a lot of fun for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, we'll see how things go. I don't, I don't know that either these teams can expect a big year in the uh, win loss column, but I think it'll be a fun year and probably kind of lay the groundwork for better years ahead. Definitely. I'm looking forward to tuning in on Saturday and then uh, hopefully watching the Bulldogs a lot this fall. Um, well, Steve, we really appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on the show as always. But before we let you go, um, go ahead and plug your content and tell, um, tell our listeners where they can follow you on social media and read your work. I'm on all forms of uh, social media at Scout Steve R. I got a new book coming out this week. It'll be uh, you can buy it at alphadogsthebook.com. It's another story about Mississippi State, Ole Miss rivalry history, and uh, always jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Again, Steve, we really appreciate it. Always enjoy talking football or or maybe even uh, some college baseball with you. And when the Pirates were down there, 
a couple years ago over a spring break. Um, but um, enjoy the rest of your week and enjoy the ball game on Saturday. You guys take care. Well, Jay, um, really enjoyed this show. Um, a shorter, shortened version, excuse me, of the sports objective, but um, talking some college football with a couple of terrific guests in Rashad Milligan and Steve Robertson. And uh, so what were maybe some of your takeaways on those two interviews? Yeah, they were awesome. I mean, the biggest takeaway is there's a lot of excitement in Mississippi with, with the coaching staffs that are in there with Deion Sanders, Leach, and Lane Kiffin. And, I mean, I think – you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of excitement for recruits going to those schools. I think those schools are going to have, you know, good years this year. And when Dion gets in there, they're going to have a good year. But I think in the future, those programs are definitely going to be on the rise. And I think, you, you know, you can just kind of tell from talking to both Rashad and Steve, the excitement, not only from the team, but the whole community with, uh, you know, with the new coaching staffs. Yeah, no doubt. And certainly a couple situations that I'll have my eye on, and I know you will as well over the coming years um, to see how the Bulldogs and also how Jackson State are faring. Um, but um, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Um, like I said, a shortened version, but later on tonight, uh, we will have Mike Houston's press conference. He'll be meeting with the media via Zoom uh, for the final time before the Pirates take on number 13 UCF this weekend. And then also we'll have our pirate preview for you. Um, we'll, we'll be talking to uh, Jason Beatty from UCS 24-7 site, uh, Knights 24-7. And then also um, we will talk to Kevin Monroe, of course, the former pirate defensive back who had such an excellent career in the purple and gold and has spent, uh, what, 15-plus years now as the color analyst alongside Jeff Charles. So that should be a terrific show breaking down this matchup between the Pirates and Knights. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Big weekend and excited for the Pirates and SEC to start. So lots of good games this weekend. For sure. Uh, Jay, appreciate you joining me as always, uh, especially on short notice. And um, remember, viewers and listeners, um, be sure to like, follow, subscribe wherever you listen to the show. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And um, on Twitter, you can follow us at the Sports OBJ on Instagram at the Sports Objective. And of course, like and follow us on Facebook. Until we talk to you here in just a few hours on our preview at 8.30 tonight as we catch up with Jason Beatty from Knights 24-7 and the longtime color analyst of East Carolina football on the Pirate Learfield IMG College Network, Kevin Monroe. I'm Bubba Rosenbaum. For my co-host, Jay Sonhalter, You've been watching and listening to the Sports Objective Podcast.